I started from nothing Never knew where my next meal was coming But I transform my life, I stay one step ahead Mindset of disruption, I own the edge This is a drill cast, where I bring the wisdom you need Everyone is selling knowledge, I get mine away for free I'm as real as it gets, you either love or hate me Best believe I'm major league, Bill Hines, that's me This is the thrill cast, this is, this is, this is the thrill cast Hello everyone, welcome back to the Thrillcast, and uh, today we have a very special guest, a very good friend of mine. I've known him for a long time, and uh, you know he really needs no introduction in the in the racing world, but I'm going to give him one. It's Matthew Brabham. He's the only three-time Stadium Super Truck champion. He's a USF 2000 champion, a Pro Mazda champion. He'll say it differently because he's from Australia. Um, he's an Indy Lights winner. He's raced in the Indianapolis 500. And he's recently just raced in one of the most prestigious races in the entire world, the 24 Hours of Daytona. Rolex probably would like to say the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona. Actually, I wore my Apple Watch. Sorry, Rolex. I didn't uh, wear one of my Rolexes today. But, um, Maddie, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming back. And uh, how you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks. Yeah, no, no Rolex for me either at the moment. So you know, obviously didn't didn't win the race, but uh, no, yeah, it was uh, an incredible experience. And uh, yeah, it's good. It's good to see you again, mate. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, <clears throat> you didn't lose the race either. And uh, I mean, you know, anyone that goes into that race, how grueling it is. And obviously, you and I were teammates on a 25 hour race. And so I kind of know what you're going through, but the stakes weren't as high. I think at the end of the 25 hours of Thunder Hill, I think we had like hot dogs and beer and pizza. So that was the and that little uh, piston cup type of trophy we got, but uh, which was plastic. But besides the point, very fun race. You know, our good buddy Richard McIntosh shows up with the uh, Prevost, $2 million Prevost bus. And, you know, that was a good time. So we got to do that again. But for, for those out there you know tell us a little bit about your experience with the 24 hours leading up to it like how you got the the call to be on the team you know obviously there's four classes the uh the was it the gt pro was it the, the lmp2 yeah. the gtd pro and the gtd yeah it's uh it was a long time kind of in the making in, in terms of getting the opportunity um the, the race team is called ao racing and uh and uh gunner is a, a an old time race car driver too, and he's been in the twenty four hours many many times, and he's kind of managing the team and running it. And uh, we got in contact last year because they actually had some conflicts between racing uh, WEC in Europe and also IMSA in the in the states. And so I kind of got the call up to be the reserve, and you know, nearly replaced um, some of their guys during the year. And so I was just kind of with the team, and it's kind of crazy, but. A lot of the guys on the team are um, Australians and crew guys from V8 Supercars. And so I knew a, a lot of those guys as well. And so, yeah, I just knew a lot of people on the team. And it was a new and upcoming team. And obviously, they, they kind of became famous through the Rexy livery and the, and the Dinosaur um, GT3 car. And I did a couple of test days with them last year and was just kind of with the team in almost like a similar role to how I was with Andretti in terms of just being like a help and a, uh, and a reserve. And, um, because it all went so well when they announced the LMP2 program, um, it all just kind of worked out for me to, to slot in right there. Cause I was actually doing some LMP2 stuff with some other teams. So yeah, it was a, it was a really cool opportunity to get the call up with those guys. And, uh, and yeah, then we, uh, obviously started getting ready for the for the Daytona 24 which we just we just completed so yeah it was kind of like a long time in the making and it's a relatively new team but they've got quite a lot of notoriety just through their their crazy liveries and our LMP2 car is uh, is a dragon a purple dragon and its its name is uh, Spike and obviously they have the other car running still which is the GT car which is Rexy which is a dinosaur which is a Rex T-Rex so yeah, I, I really, really think, and as you know, you know from uh, you know my past iterations and companies, um, we love the branding. We love 
the marketing aspect of it, you know, heck, if I could have grid girls again, we're, we're going to do that. You know, I mean, you're, you're, you're like, uh, you, you obviously like the grid girls <laughs> in the past, not now in the past. Yeah. Getting married to one actually. Yeah. But, uh, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's really cool. Motorsport needs some fresh flavor. You know, it's kind of, you know, it's been around for a long time and it's, it's, hasn't changed much you know it's got a lot of history and legacy but uh, yeah you need to you need to add some flavor in there and spice it up and um get the younger generation interested and yeah it, it's crazy with our cars when we show up to the grid it's all kids and they're wild and we have mascots that are inflatable and they're running around and getting photos with them and yeah it's really cool and it's it's a kind of fun and cool team to be a part of obviously they, they want to do well and they're serious but uh, no they've done a great job with promoting their their team and uh, it's really cool to be a part of so I, i've uh, definitely uh, had a lot of fun with the guys and it's and it's uh, yeah it's pretty special to, to be a part of for sure yeah i was expecting that like uh, during in between your stints after you raced like you know you did a quadruple stint four hours overnight or something that you then come out of out of the car and just jump into one to to a, a spike or rexy suit and and start uh, running around i'm sure you know in the heat it might not smell too well but uh you'll figure that out yeah maybe at one point throughout the year we'll, i'll get in the rexy or the the spike suit i don't know <laughs> luckily I, I get to wear the driver's suit at the moment so i don't get that the delegation of that job just yet yeah the driver's suit's definitely the better drive so tell me about the race like leading up to it obviously you you uh you guys qualified seventh your teammates in the uh, gtd pro they qualified on pole so that was impressive effort from the team so i mean and as you know in a 24 hour long distance race or you know any type of endurance race six hour 12 hour you know it really doesn't matter where you qualify it really doesn't you know it's such a long time and changing so you guys at seventh and pole obviously you you put yourselves and the team in a great position to to have a, a good result you know yeah really yeah it was uh i mean the race was uh it was so much fun and obviously we started off quite well the team with rexy uh which is the other car which i, I wasn't driving the other car but uh all, all part of the same team we're in the same we share the same pit box and everything and pit lane, you know, where we do the pit stops. So we have to kind of coordinate with them and we're always on the radio with those guys. But yeah, they did a great job in getting the pole for Daytona, which is, you know, obviously it doesn't mean anything, but it's still cool. You know, if you're on the pole for Daytona or even the Indy 500, you know, it doesn't mean anything because the race is so long, but it's just a cool accolade and um, it's good PR because it's, it's kind of similar to the 500 where you qualify the weekend before. So the whole week, leading up to the race, you can kind of capitalize on the marketing there too, you know, as if you're starting on the pole and it was really cool because the team, as I said, they're a pretty new team and um, that was their first pole position. And to be at a race like the Daytona 24 was, was awesome for them. And then in the spike side of things, we were seventh, you know, which was, which was quite good. We we're kind of, kind of in the middle of the pack. Um, PJ qualified the car, the bronze driver qualifies and, uh, yeah, it was a it was a good kind of job from them as well. So is that how that works? Like, I was wondering why, like, you know, a silver or somebody like so the in in across the whole LMP two class, the bronze driver has to qualify the car. Is that like the rule? Yeah. Okay. Well, at least um, in in our side, the bronze the bronze driver uh, qualifies and starts the car, and that's required. Um, and PJ is the bronze driver on our team. I'm I'm the silver, and then we have two two gold drivers, which is kind of like an FIA thing yeah. that they, they categorize the drivers and um, I'm pretty lucky to be a silver because I, I was yeah, gold, you're, but, you're not a silver. <laughs> How'd you do that? Um, you know, you're not a yeah, silver. So, yeah. So, and then the other team is in the GTD pro class and that's a, a full factory team um, against all the factory cars, the GT cars. So they, they have all golds and platinum, so they don't have any bronzes or silvers. So, when they were on pole, they qualified with their best driver, and uh, yeah, that's what kind of where we started the race from. So yeah, it was it was a good start to the to the weekend and, and the race. So when I turned on, so I have Peacock, so because you know I didn't want to, you know, I, and I've had Peacock because Indy Lights is on Peacock and Indy Car, so I've always had that subscription. So I was lucky, fortunate that they, that's where they broadcast, and they did the whole race. So my TV had the the stream on the whole time. 
Okay. So I, I didn't turn it off. Um, and, but personally I sat there for the first 14 hours and watched like now I, oh, wow. I you know, I got up <laughs> to go to the bathroom and you're able yeah. to pause it. So I'd pause it and then I'd catch up if like they cut away to something. Um, but yeah, so, and then I, I would actually be texting, uh, Kim during like, what happened? Where is he at? When's he getting back in? And I actually even was texting you during the race. Like, when are you jumping in again? And, and then, uh, I remember Kim's texting me. He's like, oh yeah, he's getting in early. I'm like, yeah, he's already in driving. I see that. <laughs> so it was, it was cool to kind of get like the background insight from you and, and your lovely bride to be, uh, you know, for that. And even when you race Trans Am and those other series, you know, I like that insight of like, you know, just the analytical minds that we have. And, um, so that was cool to see. And then I thought you, you, you know, when you got in your first stint, I mean, I think you got up to P4 from where you guys were. So, or it might even been P3. Um, but it's, you know, 24 hours. So I was, you know, I was going to take notes and stuff like that, but then I know your car, your car actually had the lead at one point. I don't know if you, at that point you were driving it or was the other guy. Um, I forget his name. Yeah, we we had an up and down race. I yeah. mean, uh, I uh, as I said, yeah, the the strategy and all the things that go into the race is is quite interesting. And yeah, we'll we'll kind of letting you know how's it how it all, how it all was going as we went. But uh, yeah, the original plan, obviously, that we have different drive times and strategies and different drivers getting in at different times but uh you you adjust that depending on how you're going in the race and what other teams are doing and yeah we had a plan for me to get in later in the day and then i was the second one to jump in the car so all the plans got changed and yeah we had to let everyone know that was trying to watch at least when i got in the car you know oh, yeah you know we're changing the strategy because of what other teams are doing and the, and the yellows too there was quite a lot of yellows i was gonna and, say uh, that race had a lot of yellows and you know it, it was yeah. uh, and and they're full course yellows so they're stopping you whereas like when we race in the nasa series or any of the other endurance series when there's a yellow like at thunder hill the wrecker the ambulance is on the track and we're still green so that's always trippy for those races where we're like racing, like, uh, am I supposed to slow down near the ambulance? You know, it's like, what the fuck? And IMSA, I'd, I'd have to double check, and I don't know if it's like this. At, I think it's like, like this at most of the races, but the way IMSA does their yellows is so different to every other series. And you, I had to like research and like yeah. go through the whole procedure like seven or eight times in my head and just keep thinking about it because – there's like a whole seven to eight step procedure that happens when the yellow comes out. And basically the, the summarized version of the whole thing is that the, the yellows last for like 20 to 30 minutes and you have the possibility of getting two laps back. Yeah, so you if get you're the wave around, down, yeah. you can get both of those laps back and be on the lead lap. So especially in IMSA and at the Daytona 24, you know, if you have an, an issue early in the race, um, you're not out of the race and you know you uh, we've seen people in the past be five four or five laps down and get them back still race towards the end so yeah i remember yeah. you you guys were actually a lap down a yellow came out and then i was like all right there's a yellow so during the yellows i was like all right let me go get something to eat or grab some yeah. food <laughs> and then i came back and at that point they were restacking you guys for for each class yeah because even at the yellow at the start of the race they like you know the 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 top class goes first, and then about thirty seconds behind the LM. Then you guys came in LMP twos, and then the GTD pros. So they were the they were staggered start. Whereas, you know, the NASA were kind of staggered, but literally the LMP twos would be right behind the GTPs, like right behind them. And then you know you got them diving in on them and trying to pass them. So I like how they staggered. This class is based on the speed, obviously. And, uh, man, you guys weren't that far off as far as speed-wise from – it's the GTP's car, right? That's what they're called? Yeah, the we're like a few seconds slower than the factory GTP cars, which are like the, the hybrids and the Porsches. And they the, were and the flying. So, I mean, when when they're – obviously, it took, them, it took them a while to lap you guys, and they weren't lapping you that often, I was noticing, but – with the GTDs, man, they were getting lapped. And, you know, you and I have been in those type of cars before in these races, and we see a prototype coming. And at nighttime, 
it's like the eye of God coming at you. And you're like, please don't hit me. Please don't hit me. It, they just blow your doors off. Whereas like with you, they're, they're not really passing you and blowing your doors off. But in those other, in the lower classes, man, even with you guys on the LMP twos, like you were blowing the doors off of some of the GTD teams, like just going into the kink or the bus stop, they call it or whatever. It's like, fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was wild. I mean, I thought it would be, honestly, I thought it'd be worse than what it was, but the way the speed, the speeds work, um, it's actually not too bad because we're not far off the fastest class, which is the GTPs. And generally those cars can only pass us at the end of the straights. Yeah. So that's like the biggest thing is you never, we're in the middle in terms of speed, but we never have to worry about getting past last minute into a corner where you can't see them coming. You know, if you have a GTP car behind you, we're actually a little bit faster in the slow corners. And so the, Spotters, we have spotters talking to us, like just like NASCAR and IndyCar on the ovals, and they can see the whole track, at least at Daytona. And so they're on the radio telling you, like, oh, you know, you got a car looking inside or a GTP car that's coming five back, four back, and you have a whole kind of uh, commentary of what's going on behind you, which really helps. And then, but obviously, yeah, the GT cars, when you come up on them, you have to be careful because they, they just don't see you coming sometimes. And oh, as yeah. I said, we're. It must be them. They must have the hardest time because they're getting passed all the time. But then also racing their own class. Whereas, at least for us, we only have to be worry about getting passed at the end of the straights, and then we can worry about everything else. But uh, no, yeah, coming past the GT cars, you got to be careful. And some of those cars are huge. I mean, obviously we're in like a little lightweight LMP2 car that's super fast, but you know it's not like a big bmw or you know a big mustang gt and you know if we come into contact with those guys you know we're always going to end up second best so, yeah that you're you going to get the short end of that straw yeah yeah so but yeah actually in the lmb2 class i thought it was going to be a lot worse than what it was and it was nothing like the you know the thunder hill of what we did together where there's you know five or six or seven different classes and different speeds you know there's only three different speeds and uh even though we're in the middle, it's not as bad as it seems. Because I thought, oh, that being in the middle class with the speed would be the worst. But it actually wasn't too bad with traffic, and it was it was really quite fun. And the spotter helps, you know, so much in those situations. And yeah, we had uh, generally we had a pretty clean race. Obviously, yeah, we we led at times, and we were on the lead lap and leading, and then we fell back and nearly got lapped, and then. Uh, you know, it was all kind of dependent on strategy and tires because you know, there's a really big tire drop off and a lot of the teams got out of sequence with each other. So some people would on, be on new tires and then some of us would be double stinting tires. And the way the race works is if you, if you're, you can't, um, put new tires on at every single pit stop. So for the whole first half of the race, um, you have to double stint tires and when you double stint tires, you just, you're, you're quite a ways up the pace on your second stint, but then you're going against some guys that are off strategy that are putting new tires on against your old tires. And so the whole first half of the race is a bit of a mix up. And then, uh, so yeah, we were leading at points and then we we're almost getting lapped at points and then we we're getting our lap back and, uh, it, yeah, it was all over the place, but, uh, ultimately, um, I, I had a little runoff. I went off the track a little bit and I got stuck in the grass and then we came back from that and then, you know, started getting towards the front again. And then unfortunately we had a, an air jack break in the pit stop oh, and shit. we couldn't change tires. So then we had to double stint tires more often than what the other teams are doing. And then we started losing ground at that point. And then eventually um, the engine started overheating towards the end. So you know, even though we were leading and we're on the lead lap and we're in the mix to win the race, you know, towards the end, we started dropping off and uh, we, we managed to finish luckily, but uh, I think we finished like six or seven laps down Yeah, and it was just losing time at the end of the race there. So in those races, it's again, a war of attrition and how, and that goes to the technology and the dependability of these cars. And a lot of people know, as far as the manufacturers, they use these type of races to get that analytical data to make their regular everyday passenger cars like more endurable and um you know safe and stuff like that so the interesting thing though 
you know, I did see that I was like, somebody went off. I didn't know who. And then I was trying to see what driver it was. And then I found out it was you. And it's like, what, what do you think caused that happen? Was it, uh, just missing a, missing a, a point or missing a, uh, you know, m- miss a mark or something, or did you, um, was it traffic or, you know, I just got caught out on, uh, on cold tires and, and the nighttime, you know, I think, uh, as being the silver driver, you don't get a lot of time on new tires. Yeah. So, you know, the first time I got new tires was actually in the race itself. Oh shit. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I wasn't quite expecting the, the new tire to be so slippery on the first couple of laps. And then also it was, it was on my third stint, my, my triple stint. And it was in the, I think it was like five o'clock in the morning. It was colder. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was, it was really cold. And as I said, mentally I was, uh, I was pretty exhausted and tired, you know, having been in the car for the last, you know, hour, hour, two hours. um, You didn't have them, you didn't have them put tea bags in your uh, water jug, like in uh, Utah or something. Yeah. Get me through, <laughs> but uh, so I just uh, I came out of the pits and I uh, I slid off the track and I probably could have kept going, but unfortunately the grass was had that kind of mildew and that dewy that stuff yeah. morning, that morning dew in the morning and uh, I got I got stuck. So luckily uh, the guys came around and just gave me a little bit of a push and then I got going again. So I only lost a lap, I think, and just maybe a lap and a half. And, you know, we were still in the kind of mix because there was, uh, at that point, I think there was seven or eight hours left. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then un- unfortunately after that, we started having, you know, issues with Other the pit issues. stop and the, in the air jack and little, uh, gremlins with the engine and stuff as well. So yeah, we couldn't really get back into the, to the mix. And from that kind of point onwards, um, we were lacking with uh, with speed, trying to keep the engine cool and all the all the little things that go with that. So yeah, and interesting you said all the other stuff, even the stuff about how you know you're on new tires, somebody's not on new tires. Like you know, somebody could be you know a car's much lighter than you because they don't have as much fuel at that time. So for the casual fan watching, if they just see the times like oh last lap time, you're like how the hell is the same class like ten seconds slower? Whereas like some LMP2 cars. We're going faster than the GTP cars, and same thing. There was GTD going faster than well, GTD and GTT Pro is actually the same car. It's just the yeah. level of driver. So some of the GTD guys were like, I think they were out there doing some dive bombs and trying to make a point on like the pros or the LMP twos. Whereas, you know, I Hinch actually. So Hinch was riding James Hinchcliffe. He then would go on the pit box and and part of the announcement sometimes and and he actually said something and explained it very well, and I've been saying this to people all the time, even from when we were did the twenty five hour. I'm like endurance races. It's like it's almost it could be two or three races technically. It's like you know you want to get to halfway. Okay, great, we got to halfway. You know, um, and then really it's like okay, let's get to the twenty hour mark and, and just you know back it down kind of be safe but not too safe to where you're actually unsafe and and then the last four hours of a 24-hour race that's when the gloves come off and that's when you're going for it because that's when it's like okay you kind of see the finish line so he did a he did a really good job with that and I think a lot of the teams this year for the most part obviously there were a lot of yellows but I think for the most part they did do that where it's like okay let's get to 20 hours and then let's let's see what we got you know yeah, absolutely. You could tell, especially towards the end of the race, which which teams had the faster cars. And they the were holding setups. back. Yeah, they were holding back. Yeah, and because yeah, because there was quite a few teams that we thought didn't look that special in the beginning of the race, and you know that's that's when we were leading as well. And you know, it's hard to know where we would have stacked up if you know everything went our way and we were in the mix at the end of the race. You know, I don't know if we'd had the fastest car or you know the slowest. It's it's all like a gamble, and you don't know. And uh, until the, everyone kind of pulls the gloves off and really starts pushing hard, but uh, yeah, there was definitely a few teams that we knew were going to be strong, and for sure they only showed their colors until you know the last four hours. And there's another thing as well that really makes a difference is the weather and the track temperature. And you know during the day the track was really hot and the weather was really hot, and the cars that are set up for those conditions do a lot better when the tracks like that and it suits them. And then there's obviously cars that do a lot better at nighttime when the tracks really cold and cool 
And I, I think we were definitely really quite fast at the, in the night um, compared to other teams and when the track was really cold. But as I said, I don't know. I don't know. It was kind of like we didn't really get that chance to, to pull the gloves off and go for it. But um, there was a lot of teams that were fast at night and then struggled during the day. You know, the race finishes at around – it starts and finishes around one one forty two 2 o'clock. And, you know, in the middle of the day, it's quite hot. Um, at Daytona with the sun and everything but at night it was freezing so yeah it was hard to know where everyone stacked up but there were certainly teams that set their cars up for the finish of the race and um, you could tell the two teams going for at the end Rasmussen your fellow your former teammate uh, at Andretti Autosport and friend um, uh, he uh, I I thought in the beginning same thing I'm like oh man Rasmussen's team they're just I don't think they have it. They seem to be off pace. But I think that team, I mean, a lot of teams, your team included, they were running smart races, but they were very methodical. And in the end, you know, they they pulled it out. And so that was, uh, you know, that was a good job by him and his team. And, uh, you know, uh, so didn't they have like a 17-year-old kid on that team? Was that that one or no? A six, 17-year-old yeah. guy. He's a NASCAR guy, though, and he's uh, he's super experienced. Yeah. Uh, They've been a lot of those guys race um, every weekend, and uh, yeah, he did a great job. But seventeen-year-old yeah, kid getting a Rolex, he's going to be going rolling into high school probably this week. He's like bling bling, motherfucker! It's like you know, it's like what a what a. I mean, how do you top that? I mean, I guess with an Indy Five Hundred Championship or a Daytona Five Hundred Championship, but I mean, I don't know. It's one of the hardest races to run, and uh, so I, I was obviously pulling for you first and foremost and your team because whatever, but obviously because of my longstanding ties to the Andretti organization. And I just think Michael Andretti is one of the best blokes there is in this world. And, uh, it was, it was, uh, you know, I saw him with the Wayne Taylor Andretti racing outfit and the, to see one of their cars go down and it just, just you, obviously you were racing. You didn't see it just, but the car just died. Lights turned off, electrical, it was, and I even said, oh, that has to be like a wiring harness or something. And then their second car, the same thing kind of happened. They just died. They went out, but they got it to refire, and they got on the podium. So that even kind of tells you, like, hey, even when you think you're out of it, you're really not out of it because there's so much time left. Now, obviously, it happens an hour 22. You're fucked. But, um, but um, yeah, I just thought they did a really good job getting that car back up and running. But... What is it like when you have like you're in you're in your LMP2 car and then you see something happened coming out of a blind corner or something and then it's like oh shit last actually it happened to you at in at your 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 first race back at Indy Lights when you were in the Mastermind car same thing happened you came around the corner and you're like well, you know oh my god I could catch him and it was actually it was Rasmussen his car died right and you almost hit him because so but Obviously, Indy Lights, that's one thing, and it was daytime. What's it like in the nighttime when you come around to Bend and there's a car there and their lights are off and they're dead? Like, it's. You, have to, you just have to be mentally focused so much um, and just be aware. Um, but it, as I said, it's hard. It, it caught me out because, you know, four or five o'clock in the morning, you're getting tired. And when you're tired, you make little mistakes here and there. But uh, no, yeah, you have to. Luckily, we kept it pretty clean. And yeah. Lot of other cars around us that got you know destroyed even early in the race you know i think there's 13 14 lmp2s and by the by the second or third hour you know we had lost you know three or four of them completely totaled and crashed and uh they were out of the whole race you know and they didn't some of the most of the drivers in those teams never even got to race at all or drive the car so yeah you just have to be prepared and as I said, it's hard because you're mentally drained and tired, and um, especially in those long races. And those, and the one thing that kind of surprised me as well is, you know, obviously we raced the 25 hours of Thunder Hill together. Yes. And the cars we were driving are, are fast, but they're not super physical. And it's quite cold because it's in California and the end of the year, and uh, the temperatures are quite low. But in our cars, you know, I got out of the first in in the heat of the day, I think it was like, you know, towards the late afternoon and I'm like, Oh man, I've done one stint or I did a double stint, but I've done a double stint and I've got, 
three or three or four more of those to go and I'm sweating and I'm trying to get all my fluids back in and it feels like I just ran, you know, like a marathon. So yeah, Thunderhill wasn't it. Our car was, it was a force. I call it a four cylinder shit box. Right. Yeah. But we made fuel and, and we were like the little engine that could, and we got second. Yeah. So it was funny because like same t- thing, like we were faster in the corners and, then the other cars like down the straightaway they were just killing us right and then in the corners we were doing that but interesting enough you said that remember i don't know if you remember this because you you um uh, you could have been driving or sleeping or whatever actually none of us really slept he's like oh yeah you got the bus to sleep in there was this the, the race team that was set up next to us in the pit box okay they built this elaborate fucking house almost with plywood and everything and literally they crashed out in the first lap and so i'm doing my stint i come back they're gone like the hauler's gone everything's gone i'm like whole like so on the start of the 24-hour daytona somebody during this there you know you guys are coming to the green right and then you see there was a car obviously you wouldn't know this there was a car that had a start in the pits and I was like, Oh man. And then there was other cars that just like had to retire within the first 10 minutes. So you do all this work, all this preparation, spend all this money, have all these sponsors and you feel like, honestly, yeah, they're competitors, but man, I don't want to win that way. Having like my competitor parked, I'd, I'd rather beat them on the track and so will you. And it's like, cause you know, um, like as a driver, and even being team principal and stuff, you just get gutted for the other people. Now, like with two hours left and they retire and you're facing for the wins, like, okay, that's cool. But not that early, man. It's and I felt I felt gutted for all the drivers, man. It's like you did that. Like like if that happened to you guys in two hours and you hadn't yet done your stint, I know you would have been one pissed off bloke. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, it sucks. And uh, I think that, you know, obviously, it really sucks. And you feel bad for those teams. And uh, that's not the way you want to win. But I think that it, it, it all adds to the prestige of, of winning the race, and it makes the race that much more special. I think that's why those 24 hour races around the world become so iconic. You know, you got the 24 hours of Le Mans, 24 hours of Daytona, and um, the 25, 25 hours of Thunder Hills, even, you know, pretty up there in terms of notoriety but uh it just yeah obviously it's a grueling race and there's such heartbreak and but when you have those such low moments it makes the highs so much higher so you know if you're one of those guys that you know crashed out in the first hour but you come back the next year and win it just makes it so sweet and so much better and you can tell there's a lot of uh camaraderie between the teams and you know even though they're all competitors you know, they help each other out in certain scenarios where, you know, both teams are going to benefit, you know, especially in the pit stops, you know, where pitting together with some of the GT teams and obviously if they're leading and our car's not doing so well, we'll give priority to them in the pits and vice versa. They'll give priority to us in the pits if we're doing really well or or having issues. And uh, yeah, I think, but I think at the end of the day, it just makes the race so, uh, so much more special. And uh, yeah, if you're, as I said, if you if you have the lows of the lows, it makes the highs you know that that much more sweeter. Same thing like any five hundred man. You, you put all the preparation into that the whole month of May, or actually some drivers do for the whole year, and then you get that shot. And if it doesn't go well, it's like you're just like look at the emotion that Joseph Newgarden had. And interestingly enough, what a year for him. And I know he's yeah. a good mate of yours as well. And you know he goes out wins the Indy five hundred. You know was trying to do that his whole life and just that emotion and emotionally draining. He jumps into the crowd and then now he wins a Rolex and he, and actually the, 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 the captain Roger Penske didn't even want him to be like Roger wants his drivers where he wants his drivers and he's the boss. He's got the money. So he really didn't even want new garden to be in that race. And new garden just like, I'm here to have fun. And he wins a fucking Rolex and like kudos to him and that team. That was, that was a, and they hadn't won. You think you, you hear the name Penske and you think, oh, they're just going to, they win everything, but they hadn't won a, a Daytona 24 in like 30, 40 years or something like that. It's yeah. been a long time. So, um, I, I, I like stories like that. It's good for motorsports. And then, um, obviously there's a, now, you know, we're going to wrap this up, but I want to like, what are your plans 
Yeah, I'm, you're going to be at the AO Racing Team this year, right? Uh, racing uh, a lot of the IMSA races. And then uh, will you be doing any SST this year, any other type of forms of racing? Um, and, uh, you know, uh, yeah. So what's the plans for Matthew Brabham this year? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I still have the, obviously a few IMSA races left. Uh, the next one for us, uh, in the endurance stuff, the LMP2 stuff is, uh, the 12 hours of Sebring. So I'm really looking to that. That's coming up in the next month. And then, uh, how many drivers will you have in that car Four or three or just three. So three. it'll be me, um, Paul, and uh, PJ. Okay. So we three of us race at Daytona, but um, Alex won't be with us because uh, yeah, they need a bronze, silver, gold uh, combination. It'll be us three for the rest of the year in the Enduros, and then it, and then there's one or two races where just Paul and PJ will race that I'll miss out on. The smaller, yeah, they're like what the fuck, which are six just hour, hour races, oh the, hour, yeah. the sprint races, yeah. Um, and then in terms of other stuff, I'll be doing probably doing the Stadium Super Trucks again. Nice. Um, I'm just Stay stay out of my way. Stay out of my way. <laughs> Race against you, and you know. Give me I, I love I love when you get behind me because I know a big push is coming. <laughs> a big push is coming. Yeah. And uh, so, well, you're you're the only three time champion. So in Stadium Super Trucks, obviously we have three now two time champions. So we had, uh, the first two time champion was Robbie Gordon, obviously. Then Sheldon Creed who's interesting enough will be a guest on the podcast uh, coming up. And then uh, Gavin Harlan just secured his – he did a two-time. So um, obviously Sheldon's not coming back, but, you know, what's your mindset going into a season when you, when you have these other capable drivers like Robbie and, and Gavin and, you know, hey, each of them are trying to get that three-time thing where, you know, where you hold the record. And actually uh, Robbie – yourself and me are the top three in all time starts in SST. So that's also another, uh, prestigious accolade. Cause it, people don't realize how grueling, like, yeah, you said the 24 hour race with it's so hot and it's physical and you felt like you ran a marathon, but people don't realize that our 30 minute races in SST fucking takes a toll on you. Like you're wiped out, man. Uh, and, uh, so what, what are you looking forward to in the 2024 stadium super truck series season? Yeah, really. I just hope we have more races. That's, you know, obviously yeah. Robbie's been quite busy with the UTV stuff. So, you know, I just hope we get, get some more races and I can, uh, and we can have more fun together <laughs> racing on track. Cause, uh, yeah, we only did a couple of races last year. Four. Yeah. We only did four. Yeah. What's planned for this year. But, uh, yeah, I just hope we get more races and, Obviously, it's uh, when they, when we do race, it's just carnage and um, it's all out. You know, a thirty minute you know showdown. You know, so obviously, it's not we're never pacing ourselves like the endurance we are in the endurance races, waiting for the last couple of hours. You know, it's just all go, and that's what makes it so exciting and fun. And yeah, I mean, it's the most fun that I have in a race car is with the Stadium Super Trucks, just because it's it's it is what it is, and it's so much fun. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that, and then. I'll probably do some Trans Am races as well. Nice. Uh, you guys, man, that Jim Weed car the past couple yeah. of years, you guys, what a great team. Um, was it Chris Dyson? And yeah. You and him, man, you guys get together and, and you guys, you know, um, well, Justin Marks, I mean, he was a capable competitor. He was a very capable competitor for you guys. He he gave you guys a run of money. But, man, when you and Chris worked together, I, I didn't see a team beating you guys. You know, if you guys really work together and, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe he would leave you out there and then it was like, okay, you know, you got gobbled up. But, you know, if, if uh, you know, he didn't leave his wingman, like you guys were on it with that team. Yeah, we had a, a lot of success and it sounds like, you know, it's going to be the same kind of deal this year. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been – it's getting more competitive in that series too. You know, in the beginning For we sure. kind of were the dominant ones and now – there's quite a few Starting teams to come that up. have a lot of power behind them. You know, obviously the track house racing with that comes from the NASCAR side with Justin Marks and him racing. You know, he brings all his guys over from NASCAR, and uh, it's a super competitive team, and they're really hard to beat. So, yeah, it's kind of like a clash of the the titans at the moment, and they're all coming back for this year. So, yeah, that's going to be super exciting, and yeah, we'll see how that all kind of shakes out too. But it, it's always a lot of fun racing in that series, and then. Uh, yeah, who knows? I'm always trying to get back in the open wheel side and working on the IndyCar stuff. So, you know, obviously I did a few races with Uncos 
at the end of last year. And yeah, you did I'm really a, good with that team. I mean, just jumping in, you know, you roll out of bed and you're fast, you know? So yeah, I'm available and hopefully, uh, you know, who knows what happens with some of those guys. If I end up replacing some or jumping with some of the teams towards the end of the year with that as well. I, I and you know, I, we talk privately and I, I tell, I shit, I was talking to Stefan Wilson a couple weeks ago and I was like, you know, I don't understand some of these IndyCar teams. And I'm going to get to the – we're going to wrap up with one last point, the F1 debacle that just happened with Andretti. I'm going to ask you your thoughts on that. But this is – to me, it's the same thing. Why would an IndyCar team not want a driver with your capabilities and, no offense, your last name? Like, there's names in racing across all of global motorsports that if you can put that name and they're a very capable driver – you know, and personally, you know my feelings on this. I know you would be a top ten competitive driver in the IndyCar series if you had a full time sl- spot with a competitive team. You know, now, uh, you know, you would want names like Andretti, Brabham, Ray Hall. You know, like these these names in racing are are you know like Schumacher. You know these these are the names that you would want because the history and the lineage of even the fans, like there's fans, as you know, when you go to Indy 500, it's like my, we, my family's had these season tickets for 80 fucking years. Like what? Same fucking seats. Like, yeah, they, they maybe have changed the bench or so it just, it, it it's a uh, man. I, I'm disappointed in that, you know? And uh, you know, I, I, the teams or people are watching out there. It's like, this is one guy that deserves a shot at a full-time drive. And I think if he got it, cause I, you know, and, and I don't want to knock any drivers and, but they're just, you know, you know, it, it, I guess it's nice to have a dad that's a billionaire. So, you know, it, it's, 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 um it's just, it's just like unfortunate. And, you know, I, I wish you all the best and I've always praying that you get a full-time job. Uh, oh, in this you. series because I, I've, I've seen you race V8 supercars just jump in and be fast and those are scary fast like at Gold Coast you're sitting there and you're hitting a curb and you're on two wheels at 180 miles an hour people that people don't understand how hard that takes and then they wonder like how does Shane Van Gisbergen come over here and win a NASCAR race getting a V8 supercar Matty Brabham's done it Matty Brabham raced the IndyCar Matty, Matty Brabham raced the LMP2 car he could easily go into a GTP car the, the prototypes like fucking stadium super trucks jumping buses you know it's like whatever we fucking need to do um so with that one I want you to touch on that and then also want to touch on I was disappointed by F1 because they're saying like well you know we don't think Andretti's going to be competitive and you and I know from knowing Michael Andretti and the organization he puts out with, like within three years, his Andretti Walkinshaw team won a championship down in V8 supercars. And, you know, uh, you know, he's always finding ways to get better. So, I mean, competitive to me in F1 is a top 10. Do you get points, right? And tell yeah. me that within two, three years that an Andretti team is not consistently fighting for points and the points equals money. That's bullshit, okay? And yeah. – even when Michael was in F1, he was teammates with Senna. Okay, Senna's getting on the podium. He's winning. They purposely fucked his car up, and then I think at the last race or something, they kind of switched cars. Senna did it as a favor to him, and Michael got on the podium. He left F1 as a podium. So, you know, as a driver, he was competitive, you know, if he got the right equipment. But for some reason, the F1 people, and I obviously your grandfather raced, you know, in F1 and a three-time world champion, Um I, I just think they, they're getting in the way of themselves and the politics is crazy because one, why wouldn't they want females into their series? If they're capable, you don't want to, you know, somebody, but there has to be some out there that can race an F1 and two, having a name like an iconic name like Andretti and obviously the Brabham, like the last actually female to race an F1, you know, a car she drove a Brabham 1992. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. But yeah, yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as I said, I just motor racing is like a. It's a difficult sport to be a part of because you know it's not, um, you know, not always the fastest driver gets the opportunities and, uh, and 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 I, I didn't realize this as well. But obviously, not all the best teams get the best. You know, get the opportunities either. It looks like with with all the F one stuff and Michael and the Andretti's. You know, obviously, I. 
have been on the sidelines of IndyCar, and that's kind of my goal still is to to be in the Indy 500 and win the Indy 500 because you know that's almost the only thing that my family hasn't won. You know, obviously I'm doing other stuff with IMSA, yeah. and I'd love to win the Daytona 24-hour race, but you know that's all things that people in my family have already won so yeah. you know obviously it's cool but uh yeah i want to add my own history so yeah in terms of answering your question on question on my side um yeah no i i'm still pushing for all the indycar stuff and trying to get into the indy 500 and try and win that race and uh, yeah i mean it all comes down to to politics unfortunately sometimes but uh, you know that's every sport that is uh you know where where money's involved that's kind of where you know, sometimes, especially in racing, money can count for more than than talent and ability. And uh, you know, it's the same in F one, where you know, it's, I I strongly disagree with the statements that they released. And you know, it's kind of with that whole thing. I mean, I just think that uh, it, you know, it was kind of like a lame excuse. And you know, obviously, they they have a whole PR plan of how they're going to release it. And you know, there's been other stories that have come out recently that you know, I think you're a little bit of a distraction from all that stuff, but it's crazy to me. I think F1 has changed because, uh, you know, it wasn't only a few years ago that you could have a brand new team that could run in the series. No questions asked that would be slower than an F2 car. You know, there was teams yeah. like, I'm not going to name any names, but no, there's been a history of teams over the last 10, 20 years that have competed in Formula One that have designed and built a car that has been slower than an F2 car. You know what I mean? So you yes. know, what's stopping an F2 team from just running a, a Formula One car? Um, and the answer is money. But uh, I think with all the – I think F1's kind of changed. And I, I, as I said, I, I haven't – I would have to really research the rules and, and how the rules have affected things. But to me – there's obviously a limit now on the teams that can run the series. And uh, it sounds like there's a union between all the team members and the team owners that have quite a, a lot of say in what happens. And for whatever reason, um, obviously with the drive to survive and all other factors, Formula One's become a lot more popular recently. And um, you know the money that's been generated by it has all increased. But all the teams, I feel like, are getting greedy now because... Yeah. You know, obviously, what it, uh, to me, what it comes down to is they just don't want to share the pie. And if Michael Andretti comes in with his team, he's ultimately going to be taking a slice of the pie. And uh, and other teams that are down the back, you know, as I said, I'm not going to mention any names, but the teams that are struggling right now are going to get even less money because Andretti is going to take a big portion of that money and uh, they're going to struggle even more. And, you know, I don't think by looking at, Michael and how he runs teams and the people that are, are backing him. You know, he's got GM, the biggest car manufacturer in the world that wants to to join the grid with him. You know, his problem is not going to be money. They you got know, plenty of money, that's for sure. That's uh, And typically you would think that's the hardest part. The barrier to entry to a race team is like, hey, do you have the hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars to run this? And check, got it. But I think that's what they're scared of, knowing that because watch this, a few years ago, I think they were going to buy Sa I don't even know how to pronounce these names, man. I, I, I'm not educated. Sa Sauber, Sauber, whatever it is. Yeah. And or or Alpha Tori, one of those. So it would be okay if he went in and bought one of those teams, right? An existing team, which are not competitive. So that's yeah. okay. So th th like, but they can't do a new team. And and to me, um, yeah, I just think that politics is crazy, but. I, I'm going to – I think the people – like, I understand what you're saying with saying, hey, they're going to get less of the pie. But to me, this is totally – they're looking short-sighted, whereas they're, they're, they're diminishing the power of one of the most famous and global brands in all of auto racing. Because, like, man, you can get pulled over by a cop tomorrow, and literally the cop will come up to you and go, what do you think you are, Mario Andretti? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I from the Cars agree, movies yeah. and all that. So maybe adding Michael Andretti in the Andretti Autosport, well, now Andretti Global and Mario Andretti, and, you know, that think about the American fan base. I mean, he's huge in Australia. Like, I oh, remember yeah. going in for a, a pizza place in Australia. 
I walked in, and then there's Michael Andretti. It was on in the on the Gold Coast where you grew up, and I'm like, there's photos of Michael Andretti and John Andretti because John Andretti won at Gold Coast, and and uh, you know, and obviously Michael did, and I'm like looking like, what the hell? So I think, you know, I think adding them will grow. I think I think more money will come in, so I don't think it'll be less. I really don't think so. Yeah, I don't. As I said, I don't know how it all works, and. I mean, the, the yeah. way the political structure of the whole of Formula One has changed in recent years, but I think what it comes down to is that Liberty and, and the owners of F1, I don't see any reason why they would be against the team or Andretti joining. You know, there's no reason. I think it adds to their brand. You know, it adds to their... Yep. But I, I don't know if it's their say, because as I said, I think there's a... The way it works, at least from what I've heard, is that and without doing too much research, is that the teams themselves are the ones that make the ultimate decision and have a lot of pull, and and they're the ones that are blocking it. You know, I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's just a completely one sided thing where they're all the race teams that are currently competing are all saying no, we don't want the Andretti's because obviously there's a lot of conflicting yeah. interests there. But then the FIA have always been behind. Andretti and you know maybe also F1 itself wants them in the series but you know that the ultimate factor that's blocking it all is not actually the series or the FIA it's actually just the teams themselves you know well, I, 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 I absolutely I think Mercedes will and more specifically Toto Wolf he he's come out publicly and was like nope don't want them they can't do nothing for us and I'm like who the fuck are you you know what I mean? Like you're stupid if if you think that. Like you're just stupid if you think that. And then Toto Wolf. But all right, I appreciate your thoughts on that. And uh, you know, um uh you know, only three people watch this podcast, so you're not gonna get in trouble for your thoughts. I'm just kidding. No, I, I agree. I think it's crazy. I mean, yeah. obviously I, I'm uh, super close to Michael and the family and I just hope that they, they get what they deserve you know what they're pushing for because they're they're driven and they they can do a good job and we everyone knows that and you can see that online oh yeah you know a, a 90 99 of the people are in support of, of michael and trying to do what he's doing so hopefully it all it all works out in the end but as i said motor racing is a tough business and there's a that goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, but their whole organization from top to bottom, like they, their marketing department, their video department, their social media, uh, you know, just the the all the business development guys behind the scenes, like they just they're the the whole team is champions, you know? The whole team. And you know that. You you go in there and you know, you can go in there tomorrow and they would be like, Hey Maddie, come here, have sit down, watch some video, telemetry. They're always there to help you. So all right, Matty, thanks for coming on board at last minute and everything like that. I know you're traveling and everything like that. I think you got like a plane engine behind you in the photo. That looks cool as fuck. Yeah, nice. Not really my fault. I know. No, exactly. <laughs> and uh, say hello to your beautiful fiance, Kimberly, and uh, and my uh, dear little buddy, Brumby Brabham. Will do. Yeah. All right. Thank you, mate. Be good.